Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we talk to Lisa Qualls and Melissa Corkum, uh, obviously recurring guests. They've been on several times with us. Um, they have a new book coming out called Reclaim Compassion, The Adoptive Parent's Guide to Overcoming Blocked Care with Neuroscience and Faith by Lisa Qualls and Melissa Corkum. We're going to have them on today uh, to talk about this book, but more importantly um, to uh, you, our audience, we're going to talk about what it looks like to reclaim compassion. Um, the topic of blocked care has been talked about on this show before. Um, it has become uh, more of a conversation in um in the connected parenting, gentle parenting world. Um, and so we wanted to talk about that today to, to begin to give hope for folks who uh, might not have any right now or might be running low on it. Um, giving compassion to ourselves is one of the most important, important facets of self-care as a parent. And so we're going to dive all the way into that today with Lisa and Melissa. Um, you're going to love this conversation. And uh, afterward, stay tuned. Uh, it's the outro because we have a special announcement in the outro that you will not want to miss. So make sure you listen to the interview in its entirety, obviously, and then uh, stay tuned to the outro for a special announcement. Here they are now, Lisa and Melissa talking about how to reclaim compassion. Well, we're here again today with uh, recurring guests of the program. I mean, you guys are basically co-hosts at this point. Um, we've been <laughs> had you several times now, but it's Melissa Corkum and Lisa Qualls. And so um, we talked last time you guys were on about blocked care, um, but you've got a new book coming out soon. And um, we just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. And then I do think that, that the the guts of the book, like the content of what you guys are talking about there is a um, very, very timely topic for uh, parents who are in the world right now, you know? And so um, Lisa, Melissa, I don't know which one of you wants to start, but um, would you guys want to introduce the book and kind of the, you know, what, what was behind it, what led you to write it, all of that, we'll go from there. Sure. So the book is titled Reclaim Compassion, The Adoptive Parent's Guide to Overcoming Blocked Care with Neuroscience and Faith. And, you know, we talked about blocked care before with you, but we have just seen in ourselves and in so many of the parents that we work with, we've seen parents really struggling to connect, struggling to feel uh, like they even want to connect sometimes mm. with their kids. Things are so hard. It's not the way they thought it was going to be. They begin to wonder, who am I? How can I be this kind of parent? They feel a lot of shame. They isolate, they withdraw, and basically it's not going anywhere good for anyone. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is help parents who have, are thinking, I'm just going to survive until my kid has grown up and they're out of the mm -hmm. house. We want to help those parents or the parents who are thinking, man, I used to think I was a good mom or a good dad. And apparently I'm a really wretched person mm -hmm. because I don't even like being around my kid. We want to help parents understand what is happening in their nervous system. And then we want to give them a clear pathway that they can follow to begin overcoming block care and actually sort of reawakening hope and healing and connection with their child. That's great. Great. Melissa, anything to add to that? I, I think not much, except that we're really excited to have tools for parents in as many ways as possible. And I think books for parents are one of the most 
accessible ways that parents are getting information. It feels like a really low, you know, barrier to entry. And so this is like just really a dream of ours. We've been talking about this for years. Um, but to have a book to offer people just feels really good. Like, I think people are so receptive to like, yeah, I'd love to read a book about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it allows you to go at your own pace too, right? Like you don't have, no one's, no one's watching you while you're reading the book. Like no one is at the other side of the table. So if you, if you do have that high level of shame and insecurity that you're dealing with, a book allows you an entry point to then kind of slump into your chair. Like I did when you started bringing up the topic just now, like that, that is, I, I can just feel in my body, those, those moments of, uh, of just, the desperation and despair and feeling like I don't have any answers right now for how we're going to keep doing this, um, going forward. Um, Lisa, you know, when you come, when it comes time for you guys to like title this book and you decide to title it reclaiming compassion, what is the, what is the heart behind that particular title? Mm. Well, what we want to do is help parents reclaim compassion for their child, which we're all always being taught how we can connect with our kids, you know, what we need to do. But we also want parents to reclaim compassion for themselves Mm. because when parents experience block care and the, the feelings that they have, And their nervous system, Melissa can explain this really well, but when their nervous system has become almost, uh, feels unsafe with their kids, there's no sense of felt safety on their side, and the nervous system begins to defend and protect the parent. You know, parents often think that they have somehow chosen this, it's their fault. They don't understand that this is actually you know, the way the nervous system is supposed to function. When something feels unsafe, when something feels confusing, our nervous system says, "Mm, this may not be safe. This may not be good. And we know that the same part of the brain that um, deals with pain, physical pain, also deals with emotional pain. And so just like if we touch something hot and burn ourselves, we're like, whoa, not going to do that again. Yeah. The same thing happens in a parent's nervous system when they're interacting with their child and they're making what we call bids for connection. They're making efforts at connection and they're getting either really confusing or really negative responses, which are not the fault of the child. It is because of the trauma and the wounding yeah. that they've experienced, when those things happen, the parent's brain begins to, to protect them. And so we want parents to know it is not about their character. Yeah. It is about yeah. a, a normally healthy function of the nervous system so they can have compassion for themselves as well. Melissa, you want to add to that? Well, I think... You know, we wanted something that felt hopeful in a really heavy topic. And um, we had a little review team party last week and we were talking about some of just the the nitty gritty parts of writing a book. And one of the things, you know, is coming up with a title that you think will be clear, will resonate with people. Um, and, And we did spend like hours, you know, debating back and forth and brainstorming and trying to figure out, you know, what, um, but this was one that really resonated with us both. And, uh, we actually 
named like an entire coaching program out of, you know, like just that those two words together kind of just started ringing in our souls. And we were like, this is it. Like we want yeah. parents to reclaim compassion on so many levels. When um, you guys are, are first talking about the idea behind the book and you're beginning to explore that with your work with families and within yourselves, um, were there certain themes that were uh, that were immediate? Like, was there a, a, a hierarchy of themes that came to mind in terms of like, here is the starting place. This is where we have to start in this process and then kind of working out from there? Or, or were there just kind of a blob of themes and it took some organizing to get them figured out? How, how did that process work for you guys? I think because we've been talking about it for so long, we, we had a little bit of a framework just from the way that we've been teaching, but we call it the Reclaim Compassion Roadmap when we serve families in our coaching program, like that it's the first step is to reclaim compassion for yourself. And there's parts to doing that. And part of that is understanding how blocked care isn't your fault is, is one of the steps in that big chunk. And the next big chunk is reclaim compassion for your child. And we don't go into that. Some of that is in the book, but in our coaching program, that kind of bleeds into kind of some of the even like behavior management pieces of how do we do this in a way that is trauma informed and adoption informed. You know, yeah. um, I'm an adoptee, Lisa's a birth mom. Like we try to be really sensitive to all the parts of, of the triad. And, and there's, I think, parenting pieces that come into all of that. Um, but the book itself, we, really wanted it to feel super practical. So it's, it's kind of like part books, part workbook. There's really practical pieces at the end of every chapter. There's actually room to do the exercises. If there are journaling exercises right in the book, um, if that feels good for people. Um, but, but there are these kind of parts, right? There's, there's this part about, um, kind of our journey towards adoption as parents. Like we feel like that's a really important part of kind of uncovering how we even ended up in blocked care in the first place. There's the second part, which is a um, neuroscience, but super like um, approachable. Like we try not to use, you know, really big words or really complicated things. We try to make it as uh, easy to understand as possible. Um, And then the third part is just practical stuff. Like do this, do this, do this, do this. And this is why this is the, science of why of how it is helping your nervous system overcome block care. I want to add to that too, because when we're saying do this, do this, do this, we are talking about very gentle, very simple, small steps. We absolutely know the last thing parents need is to do something else hard. They're already doing hard every single day. So this is very, very gentle and very slow. And, um, you know, it's, it is a process to work through and come through blocked care. Mm-hmm. So um, we are not placing any more burden on very weary shoulders. We really hope that what we're doing is we're coming alongside. Yeah. And we're saying, let us help you a little bit. Let us, yeah. let us start to ease that burden. And also lifting off the horrible shame that so many parents are carrying around that causes them to be isolated and alone. And we're saying, Hey, we're right here with you. We've been through this. You're okay. We're going to help you. Yeah. So one mom actually told us that the practices actually felt like a gentle part of the book because it gave her space in between each chapter to kind of like process and take her time rather than having to like do the fire hydrant of information that the practices didn't feel like 
homework necessarily or like more work, but kind of this spa like spaciousness between each chapter to really take in what had been said. Um, so let's let's get into this. And we're obviously not going to give away everything that's in the book, um, nor can we, because we're just talking. There's not space to work through it personally. But, um, you know, I, I'm an adoptive parent. I'm struggling. I'm desperate. I see y'all's book. Um, if I'm if I'm having a conversation with you, um, one of the mind games here is that if I feel like I'm experiencing black care and I see your description, I'm like, well, great. Now, here's another thing that I've got to get over is this <laughs> this another label that I've got here. <laughs> and I feel shameful about it. And how am I supposed to get rid of the shame myself? Like that can't. So how does somebody start uh, negotiating that that path as they're as they're trying to give themselves more compassion? How, how would you guys say they start that process? Well, we break it down into healing the nervous system through three different, what we call buckets. We talk yeah. about filling all of these buckets. So there's the internal world, which includes things that you do for your physical well-being and for your mindset. We spend a lot of time on your mindset. There's the external world, which is how you set up your environment and you meet your sensory needs. And then the third one is your relational world. That's the nervous systems communicating in between people, you know? And so we're making sure we're talking about your foundation of faith, if you're a person of faith. Um, and we're talking about relationships with life-giving people. And then at the very end, we talk about your relationship with your child, because we want to support parents in this whole healing journey before we ask them to do one single thing to be a better parent, exactly. You know, like we all have a lot of education. Many of the parents listening to this will have a lot of education yeah. on how to be a connected parent. Mm -hmm. But we have to heal our nervous systems. We have to find our own sense of felt safety within our relationship with our child where we can stay grounded and regulated even when our kids are not. Um, yeah. And we can only do that when we have the capacity because our nervous systems, we are teaching them and healing them and calming ourselves from the inside. Um, Melissa, at least talked about communicating nervous system to nervous system with between people. Um, will you explain that, you know, not for me, but for other people who might have heard that and been confused by that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's so interesting about our nervous systems is that they're communicating without us knowing about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we have what we call like extrinsic or uh, like conscious communication that we're picking up on, right? Like I can uh, identify that I'm, you know, sitting here on Zoom with two other people and I'm, I'm conscious of even some of your facial expressions and your body cues, but even underneath all of that are millions of uh, messages being passed through mirror neurons of, um, you know, other, other cues that our nervous systems are giving each other. And so it's, it's kind of this idea of, um, you know, like if, if we're like, take COVID, for example, right, a lot of us were unsure at the beginning because we didn't know what we could believe. We didn't know what was going to come. There was so much uncertainty and, you know, lots of information to take in. Everything felt very new. And a lot of us probably tried to put on kind of like brave fronts to our kids because we were thinking like, well, we have to, you know, we can't freak out. Our kids are going to freak out too. Right. And 
it's like that sixth sense when when you're trying you're like putting your smiley face on and telling your kids everything's going to be okay and it's like they don't believe you and it's because they're getting your nervous systems um betraying you really and and giving off all these extra signals to your other people that are like PS, like they're not actually really okay, right? And so we have lo- we have lots of information to pass, and so that's why we want to be so um, intentional about really um, caring for our nervous system well, foundationally, like through all the pieces, so that all the signals that we are passing um, have the best chance of being in in congruence with each other to yeah. say um, like. I'm telling you with my words that everything's going to be okay. And my body, my nervous system is corroborating that, <laughs> that, that I really believe it to the deepest core of myself. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think about is in this journey, you know, when you start to do that work, there's, there's kind of some little peaks and valleys that you encounter and you begin to get to that plateau of like, okay, I've got some processes. I've, I feel like I'm making some progress here. And then sometimes you look around and you're the only one making that progress around. And so um, would you guys talk about kind of the importance of taking people with you on this journey and kind of having peers or um, whether it's a spouse or friend or family member or, um, you know, therapist or whoever, as you're going on this journey, we talk about the the importance of having peers or, or having community with you. Yeah, we talk a lot about the importance of community. We always say everybody needs a therapist, a spiritual director, and a community to work through, well, life in general, but especially when we're doing this extremely hard work of parenting children with so much need and so much early adversity. Um, We value the voices of other people because so many parents who are experiencing blocked care have isolated themselves. Life is so hard and their nervous systems have become so fragile that often, I mean, I know for me, I didn't want to leave my house. The risk was too great that everything was going to blow up and I had no reserve. Like I had no capacity, especially to deal with my kids in public. It was hard enough at home. And so parents tend to isolate. And also we are often afraid to let anybody know just how badly it seems things are going because, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get the people kind of heartless people say, well, Hey, you chose this, you know, like, didn't you know it was going to be harder, but right. we're already saying all that to ourselves. Right. We're already saying, yeah, I thought I had what it took. Yeah, Usually much and worse I than thought, that. Right. We're yeah, saying much worse yeah. things to ourselves. And yeah. really, as a matter of fact, I'm probably a terrible parent is what mm-hmm. is in our minds, you know, when we're in blocked care and, I think sadly at least leads some people to such deep despair that we see a lot of depression, we see divorce, we see very sadly we've seen suicides. Mm-hmm. You know, parents can get to a very dark place in the isolation. And so community and having people around you who are walking through it like you, but also having people like Melissa and me who have gone before, like I hope that the message of that we're bringing is that there is a pathway through this. You will make it through and we're here to help you do that. Uh, I think about for us, you know, I had a conversation with Mo Ottinger one, one Sunday morning, kind of hushed in the corner. Like I was trying to buy drugs or something. Like I didn't want anybody to hear. I was like looking around nervously. Um, and then we go through the ECC parent training course, the old course before cultivate connection and 
all of a sudden, I'm looking around at 20 other families, and I'm like, oh, you too? You too? You too? And there were people I knew, people I didn't know. But now, when somebody's throwing out invitations for a 4th of July party, it's like, oh, this is great. Like, this is going to be people who understand us. We can go and kind of like let our guard down and, and be there. And everyone's pulling the same rope. We got some similar language here. Um, and obviously, Melissa, as a Cultivate Connection facilitator um, through ETC, like there's there's a, there's just an, I'm sure you could calculate it if, if we had research and, you know, years and data and all this. But to me, there's an incalculable benefit to, going through that learning process with other people. And I, I feel like it is an accelerator. Um, do you guys feel that's, that's been the same way as, as you've seen it in your coaching and in, and Melissa within facilitating the, the course? Absolutely. And you know, this kind of ties in to that question you had JD about like, if someone walks into a bookstore and sees this and they're like, great, one more thing, you know, like, <laughs> what do you say to the, like you said, like, it's kind of like a mind trick. Like, how yeah. do I even get to the place where I even am willing to do the work that it takes to overcome blocked care? And, and I think community is a part of that. I think hopefully when people see a book about something like this, they're like, oh, there's so many people that need this, that there's a book about it. And so that has to mean that I'm not alone. And yeah. just that, like, when we hear from people again and again, like just understanding that it's not them, they're not a terrible parent. And that this is a phenomenon that's happening with thousands of parents um, or more then then that gives them this little glimmer. And because we hope the book communicates, there is a pathway that that is gentle and that that is compassionate it does take a little bit of work right but yeah. that tries to be as kind as we can through that process that the message they're hearing isn't oh one more thing but like oh pick me up there's yes. light at the end of this tunnel and um yeah, I, th I think we as a community when we're in community we co-regulate each other right we help fill those gaps when uh, when all the other relationships in our life might feel difficult or hard or unrewarding, uh, we need to kind of backfill that with life-giving people. And, um, and, and you will notice in community that some days this person over here is struggling and the other parents can kind of say, you've got like, you can do this. We've got you, we're carrying you. And then the tables rotate a little bit yep. the next week. And that person can give the encouragement to someone else who's struggling. And, and we, we need kind of that, like we can't all be on all the time. And so we have to rely on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. guys, I think, you know, the work that you're doing is so valuable, so needed, standing in a gap that um, obviously is much wider than the two of you in, in your work. But um, beginning to beginning to put this out in the world is is huge. Um, when we when we take that turn away from our uh, compassion for ourselves, we start to heal ourselves a little bit. Um, do you want to talk about the process of then? Are there are there some ways to talk through beginning to reclaim compassion for your kids? Yeah, I think I mentioned uh, earlier that we do leave that to the end because we know that parents, they need, they need to heal themselves first. But in the last section of the book, we talk about some, just some ways of rebuilding connection, you know, and we try to go beyond what we've all learned in our basic 
training that we've yeah. had, but we, um, we give parents small things to try. Like one of our favorites that just makes us laugh every time is giving an unexpected yes. Yeah. We, this book is packed with quotes from other parents who've done this work with us. And I think that for one thing is very validating to parents to hear another yeah. parent express their feelings, but then um, to share their stories of their pathway of healing. It's just so fun. And these unexpected yeses are hilarious where, <laughs> you know, our minds, when we are under such significant stress, what we do is we become less and less flexible because we become more and more rigid in our thinking. We're trying to maintain control because everything feels out of control. And so our kids are pretty used to us saying no to everything. (laughs) I mean, I know I did. I was like, if I say yes to one thing, it is going to be the thing that tips the whole thing over and we collapse, you know? So we encourage parents to look for an opportunity to give an unexpected yes. And the stories are so funny because parents will say things like, um, one of the stories we share in the book is a mom whose two boys come to her and ask if they can eat. I think it's eat like breakfast in their fort in their bedroom. And the boy actually says to his brother, I know they're going to say no, like under his breath. And the mom says, yes, where would you like to sit? We can put, you know, and she kind of helps them do this. And the kids are so shocked. They don't even know what to say. And the kids end up writing these, like kind of like a love note to their parents. I think it is such a surprise to the child's nervous system. Yeah. And, and so I think that is just one example of many, many other exercises to help parents build connection. Melissa, do you have a favorite? That's one of my favorites. Well, we talk about something called lessons and liking, which is a kind of invention of, well, actually, I don't know. That's not a kid. That's not exactly. A, I mean, it's kind of a kid thing. It's something that parents do together or with a friend where they challenge themselves to text each other one thing every day that they like about their child. Right. Mm. And, and we talk about this in the book, like, like we get how hard this is and we've also seen how impactful it can be. And so sometimes like the thing might be like, she looks really peaceful when she's sleeping, right? Like we understand that some of our kids are throwing a lot at us every single day, but when you're training your brain, like when your brain has this accountability to do this, then it's looking for those little tiny things that you can, you know, have something to respond when you're spouse or your friends, like, okay, what's today's thing? Um, and that little mindset shift in a parent's brain changes the way they approach their kids and their relationship. So I guess well, it is yeah. kind of a child thing, connecting thing. Yeah. I was gonna say kids feel that, right? Like kids can feel, you talked about earlier that, you know, those, those mirror neurons and our nervous systems detecting each other. You know, I think in layman's terms, sometimes that's kind of our BS sensor, right? Like kids have the greatest BS sensor ever because you, you know, and within a very somber way, um, we're recording this on a Tuesday and the shooting in Nashville just happened yesterday. Um, and you know, uh, came home and with, with our, with our oldest and got done with his last practice of the day, come home, we're making dinner and, you know, we hang out and talk for a while. And then he goes up and my wife was still up with one of our other kids because they just could not fall asleep. And they're like, once I basically, once I go to sleep, I have to go back to school. And what if that happens to me at school tomorrow? And, uh, as she's telling this kid that it, look, 
this is, this is, you know, kind of, she's stumbling all over her words because she can't find a universal thing that she can say to bring solace that she knows she can kind of hang her hat on, um, this, this side of heaven, so to speak. And so she says, it's, it's going to be fine. Just close your eyes. And he's like, I know you're lying. Like, I know that you don't know if it's going to be fine or not. And, you know, that allowed them to sort of loosen up and laugh and like, say other things that they knew weren't true for a second to laugh. And that turned into a little bit of a silly connection moment, but those, those things are, are true. So in the midst of, I wonder if there's even moments that you guys give coaching on in the midst of uh, a hard season, we're doing the work, but um, things are really tough and your kids are sensing that as you're doing the work. Do you have advice for parents as they're going through that um, where your kids might be pressing on your nerves and you're trying to do the work to like, and all of those emotions of the wall needs to go up. I got to get out of here. Like are coming up any advice for those moments? I think first of all, you know, I, I have been thinking about this so much with the, the shootings and um, you're right. Our kids can sense what we really feel. We know our nervous systems are communicating. And I think one of the most important things we can do is be a non-anxious presence, which means we better ground ourselves. We better take those deep breaths. If we're people of faith, we better cry out to God and pray so that we can come and be a calm presence for our children as much as possible, which is really hard in these scary and sad situations. Um, Sissy Goff uh, has said some really great things. She's a therapist from Nashville and she was at the uh, reunification center for families in Nashville. And she talked about how we can, talk with our children, but not process with our children, Mm. you know, like, you know, be honest in, in clear and simple language, but we don't process our thoughts with them. We do that with other adults, you know? So, and I think that's because, well, our kids don't have the capacity, you know? Right. And when it comes to being honest or not, the truth is, uh, it almost makes me cry. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know every day, but but we do know if we're, if we are people of faith, we do know who does know and we can bring our children into that and remind them of how loved they are and how cared for and that God, that nothing is happening apart from God knowing and seeing and, and he loves them, you know, like we can give comfort, even if we can't give promises that, that there's going to be immediate safety, we can give comfort. And they're too young to to know that all will be well. In the end, all will be well. That's not really comforting when you're afraid to go to school and you're a child. So we just provide the most sense of felt safety we can, and we help the school provide that. And I know we're not, this is not the topic of today, but it's definitely been very, very much on my mind. Sure. I think in our family, we've, taken the road of brutal but kind honesty as much as possible. And so that might be saying, hey, you know what? Like, it's really hard to be around you right now because the way you're acting is kind of pushing me away. And so I'm going to need a little break. I love you. And I'm going to take five so that I can do something for my nervous system. I want you to do something for your nervous system and we'll come back together in a little bit. Um, and then for like scary things, it's, you know, we can't guarantee that we're going to 
like mom and dad are going away and we have every intention of coming back. And you're absolutely right. We could get hit by a truck on the highway and we want you to know that we've made plans in case something like that happens. We really hope it doesn't. And if it happens, we know you'll be really, really sad and it'll feel really, really scary. And these are the people who will still be here to support you. And, you know, and so I think the same thing, like at school, like we really, hope and we believe that you're going to be safe at school today and if something happens we'll be here to help you process it and we have people you know we have a ther- you know we have our family therapist and we have this tool and that tool and we can walk through hard things um and so i think just you know honesty about all the things and i always tell parents like it's one thing to to flip your lid and be like oh my gosh i can't stand you right now right <laughs> right And, and we, and I think we get to that point because we feel so much pressure to hide all the things that we think would be harmful to attachment. Like it's not okay to tell your kid you don't like them. Well, it's better to say it when you're regulated with all the buffering of, you know what? Like, I know this isn't your fault. We're all having a really hard day. I didn't get enough sleep last night. I'm feeling extra cranky towards you today. And quite frankly, like, this is how I'm feeling to say that with self-control and regulation and can like connection right but honesty then to stuff it stuff it stuff it and then hit our max and be like oh my gosh just leave i can't i can't do this anymore well in the modeling too of being able to regulate to go whoa all right i know you can sense with me i'm on edge right now and i need a minute and so i'm gonna go whatever take a walk and uh, even i think just the other day jesse mentioned you know hey i've got some that they can't, that, that's the bridge too far for them to give me that time alone. So I'll then have to disguise it as, you know what? I left something out in the car. Will you come with me? I'm going to go out and get it. And, and maybe the door is slower to unlock on that side of the car. But you, you go over and grab what you need from the car and you take the long way back into the house and there's a change in temperature, a change in air pressure, a change in all of those things that can help to, to, you know, bring some regulation to body movement also too. Um, that has, I mean, that, that, uh, was a light bulb for us that has made a huge difference in like the honesty does not have to cut the way that it does sometimes. Like what you said, Melissa is dead on. Like it is, it is so much the delivery method as it is, the, I think over the content, right? So like being able to peacefully um, and honestly communicate and then model what to do when you're feeling that way um, pays huge dividends, I think down the road. Well, and even when we do totally lose it, <laughs> There's the power of repair, yeah. right? And modeling yeah, that for great. our children because it, one of the best gifts we can give them is to model that we can say, wow, I really messed up and I'm really sorry. That was not about you. That was because I was already feeling worried and yeah. stressed and you know, whatever it is, we can model that for them because they're going to need it their whole lives to have healthy relationships. Yeah. I mean, I had a morning, I lost it with my boys they were in middle school, but I still remember it. And I did not handle something well. And I dropped them off at school and we were not at all connected when they got out of the car. And I went home and I kept thinking about it and thinking, okay, I'm going to make repair. When they come home after school, I'm going to talk with them. And I thought, you know what? That's too many hours away. Mm. I went back to the school. I wrote them each a note I stapled it shut because all I had were these pieces of papers. I said, would you just deliver these to my boys later? Now, that's a little humbling. Now, they didn't know what I wrote in the note. I said, hey, I just need to connect with my my boys. And in the note, I said something about how, you know, 
I'm really sorry for the way I spoke to you this morning before uh, you got out of the car. And I love you. And I didn't handle that well. And you're an awesome kid. And I'll see you today, you know, at the end of the day or whatever. So we can model that for our kids because frankly, I have to do it in my relationship with my husband, you know, yeah, and all kinds sure. of things. So we do lose it as parents. But I will say the better we care for our nervous systems, the wider our window of tolerance becomes. We can so roll true. with things better because deep within ourselves, we are feeling calmer and yeah. we have more capacity. Yeah. That's so good. Um, before we wrap up, two things. One, um, Lisa, you mentioned wanting to talk about a an assessment, like a link for an assessment that our, our listeners can take. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yes. So in the process of writing this book and doing our research, Melissa and I have developed 10 signs of blocked care. And so we've created an assessment that parents can take to get a sense of where they might be. Do they have block care? Are they sort of on the edge of it? What would be helpful for them? And it's super simple and takes just, I don't know, a minute. I mean, they can spend as long as they want on it, but it's a very yeah. quick, like, what's your gut answer to this? And um, it's a free assessment for your people. They can find it at theadoptionconnection.com slash empowered. And once they do that little assessment, they'll get an email with some suggestions of things that will help. I honestly think this book can help every single parent, regardless of whether they're technically in blocked care or not, um, because it's just about caring for yourself and being the best parent you can be. So that assessment is available for them. And there are a lot, we have a lot of resources that can help parents. Awesome. So if you're listening to this now, we'll link that in the show notes below. So if you need to find it, go look in the show notes down there. And then, um, Melissa, one other thing that you guys have before we go, you, you guys are working on a different model for group coaching. Will you talk about that for a minute? Sure. So we have Zoom fatigue, quite honestly. <laughs> who who has and Zoom fatigue? Who has Zoom fatigue? I know. All we do. Us. You do. Yeah. Everyone does. So at the beginning of this year, we just, tech, I love technology. I'm kind of like on that like edge of the millennials and the Gen Xers and everything. Yeah. So I live and breathe like technology innovation. And so we discovered this app called Volley, like if you're volleying a ball back or volleying forth, conversation yeah, yeah. back and forth. And we love it because it encourages video connection. And so we know how important that is in terms of co-regulation with other people. Um, but we also recognize that people's lives have kind of returned back to the level of pre-COVID busyness. At least I feel like our family has. And we really wanted to be able to meet families who are struggling with blocked care kind of exactly where they were and that it was hard to commit to a certain time during the week to, to connect. And, and also, you know, I don't know about you, JD, but like when we're struggling with things with our kids, we feel like we want to reach out to someone like right then. Like it's hard 100%. to like think like, oh, well, we can just touch base with our therapist in like five more days or, you know, whatever the thing was. And so this group coaching program has a backdrop of some content. So we have um, a content library and a roadmap of, you know, things that we think are really helpful for people um, in terms of reclaiming compassion for themselves and their kids. But then there's this volley community where people can jump on and say, hey, this is going on right now. I would love your insight or I'd love ideas. And there are a couple hundred parents who have been doing this work with us and, and either Lisa or or 
me or one of our other coaches, or just another parent who's, again, a little bit further on the road will jump in and say, oh my gosh, I totally get that. We're going through this right now. Or I get that. And we got to the other side and here's how that worked for us. And it's just been such a beautiful experience. Um, and it's like in your back pocket, you can take it where you can go and you can jump on whenever it's helpful. You don't have to wait for that, you know, one hour zoom meeting. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I would add too, that we have parents all over the world, so we don't have to worry about time zones. People can jump in and talk whenever, wherever they are. And uh, Melissa mentioned video. So if people are familiar with Marco Polo, yep. um, it does have the video aspect. You can also do voice messages. You can also type your messages. So whatever works for a parent in the group, yeah. They can use whatever feels comfortable to them or whatever they can do in the moment. Like if their child is right there, but they need help, they'll type, <laughs> you know, yeah. if they're yeah. driving in their car, they might do a voice message. So Should do a voice it, message. Right? Yeah. It all works, you know, and it's, I think I, we are really delighted with how this program's working and it just feels very fluid and very authentic and very connected with all the other parents and we hear each other's voices and we, when in the moment, when it's hard, we can hear that and we can give words of comfort and support. Awesome. Uh, Guys, thank you all so much for carving out time to be with us today and just for the work you're doing. um, And just for standing in that gap for so many families who really, really have enjoyed it. Thanks so much for for having us. us. Well, just a huge thank you to Lisa and Melissa. Um, We have linked that guide they talked about um, uh, in the show notes down below. So if you um, are looking for that, you can find that there. Um, Another announcement, I told you in the beginning, we had a special announcement at the end. Um, One of the things we have been uh, very excited about that's been hard to keep quiet about is that we have got... um, some brand new, never released uh, before footage of Dr. Karen Purvis um, teaching on um, a variety of different topics. And so we've been waiting um, for kind of the right moment and right season to um, unveil some of these videos. And so um, there's just some great stuff from Dr. Purvis. And uh, one of those will be released this coming week. So our, our episode uh, next week will be diving uh, deep into a teaching clip from this unreleased footage. And we are so excited to be able to share it with you, um, obviously. Um, any of us who have ever experienced Dr. Purvis's teaching before. Uh, we miss her dearly, and she passed several years ago after a long battle with breast cancer, um, and she is she has missed dearly, dearly, dearly throughout the world um, of academia in this world and also the connected parenting world. So we are um, excited to bring this to you, excited to talk um, and do a kind of deep dive into the topic that she's talking about um, that'll happen next week on the show. So stay tuned, watch our YouTube this week. Um, it'll be released in the coming week, you'll be able to watch the video and then we will talk about it in the podcast next week. So, uh, thanks again to Melissa, to Melissa and Lisa for coming on today. Um, thanks also to everybody at ETC, to Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, to Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast. Um, I am JD Wilson and we'll see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. Bye.